For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. The 2021 legislative session in New York State is scheduled to begin in a matter of weeks. And as of right now, there are 60 days of meetings planned for what could be described as one of the most challenging sessions in recent memory. The budget deficit stands at $15 billion in the middle of a health crisis like we've never seen. People have lost their jobs, are struggling to pay for housing and put food on their tables. Essential workers continue to put their own lives at risk to provide services. And workers sickened with COVID are still Still fighting for benefits. The people of New York State will be looking to lawmakers for help. The New York State AFL-CIO just released our 2021 legislative agenda, which addresses the needs of working people now and into the future. And joining me on the phone to talk about labor's priorities going into the new session is the legislative director of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mike Nidal. Mike, how are you? I'm great, Darcy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, I should point out our agenda was recently adopted by our executive board, uh, representing our 3,000 affiliates across the public sector, private sector, and building trades. And there's a lot in it. But clearly, the impact of this pandemic is on everyone's mind. Can you start there? What are our priorities related to COVID? Sure, Darcy. Well, you know, the, the health and safety of workers is the primary concern for all unions. And The pandemic has put this at the centerpiece of our legislative agenda moving forward next year, uh, both specific to COVID, but also future uh, infectious diseases. We we now know, despite this being the worst health crisis we've ever experienced, leading up to this, we had SARS, we had avian flu, we had an Ebola scare. So this is now uh, something that occurs occasionally that we need to be prepared for. Uh, The first thing we're doing for health and safety is improvements of workers' compensation system and trying to smooth out or remove the hurdles in the system that delay the payment of benefits. We've got a couple of bills out there that would do that for workers, particularly essential workers, but all workers who get sick as a result of being at work to make sure they're getting their medical care and any wage replacement if they're out so they can pay their bills while they're sick mm-hmm. uh, instead of having to wait for the weeks or months or even longer to get that funding. Um, and also for workers who have passed away, their families get death benefits through the workers' compensation system, but often have to go through systematic hurdles uh, in order to get those benefits, hearings and other things. So we want to, at least for COVID, uh, try to speed up the payment of those benefits. A second really important piece is the New York Heroes Act. That's a bill that builds on something we passed earlier this year in the public sector. And the New York Heroes Act would add to the private sector very similar protections that we got. And what it would do is create a statewide template that all employers would have to follow if an infectious disease outbreak occurs, like we're having now with COVID. Mm -hmm. And it would set a standard of required personal protective equipment like face masks or shields where appropriate. It would establish uh, social distancing procedures and related staffing policies that employers should implement, like maybe doing staggered shifts or staggered days to limit exposure, as well as proper disinfecting and ventilation systems 
so that workers can know that they're going to sick, uh, going to work uh, with the least chance of getting sick. So those are several of the uh, proposals that we're working on to enhance the safety and health of workers uh, throughout this pandemic, but also for future infectious disease outbreaks. And that HEROES Act is so important because there's been no guidance at the national level, right? That's absolutely right. The states were left largely on their own, and the governor has said over and over in his daily briefings, and we agree that we were left on our own and um, we had to do our own pieces, and we, we've done some of that. We, we enacted a public sector safety piece, and now it's time to move on to the private sector with a similar law. So beyond the health and safety priorities for workers, there is the issue of unemployment. We're staring down another possible shutdown with more people being forced out of their jobs. How does our agenda address unemployment? That's a great question. You're right. There's been a lot of workers who have lost their jobs as a result of COVID. So we are working to do several pieces. Uh, One of the most important is uh, many employers have tried to implement programs to keep as many of their workers working, even if it's part-time or through a great program that the Department of Labor runs called the Shared Work Program that allows workers to work lesser hours, but they can still keep their health insurance and other benefits at work, but also collect a lesser unemployment benefit. So uh, people are capped at 26 weeks on the Shared Work Program. So we'd like to extend that out so that employers can offer that program for a longer period of time. Uh, Also, we have a partial unemployment program that we're working on passing that would help workers who accept part-time work uh, maintain a level of collecting unemployment benefits. Right now, workers are discouraged from accepting part-time work because they lose uh, a real big chunk of their unemployment benefit if they take a part-time job. It's not tied to how much you earn. It's not tied to how long you work. You just lose a specific amount uh, for each day you show up at work. So we want to smooth that out so people can accept jobs and still be able to collect their unemployment benefit. Also importantly, right now, claimants, uh, they're not eligible to collect benefits if they voluntarily separate from work. We want to change that for the COVID crisis for people who have heightened risks due to health conditions, uh, or, or being elderly or other uh, have other vulnerabilities which make them particularly susceptible to being real sick or dying so that they could voluntarily separate and not go into work uh, but still collect unemployment benefits. Right now, they're not allowed. So there are several unemployment issues we're working on related to COVID. Yeah, and that's so important. You would not want someone to be in that position of having to choose between, well, I think it is a real risk to me, but I'm just going to stay employed because I can't afford, you know, to not be. I mean, that's a horrible situation, horrible choice to have to make. Um, What are some of the other areas of concern related to COVID and working people? Well, this is related to COVID and the budget, but one particular problem has been child care. As anyone with children knows, the the school situation changes daily, whether it's open or classes have gone remote. So folks uh, on a dime have to decide what they can do with their kids to get them into safe and accessible uh, childcare. And particularly essential workers, you know, healthcare workers, utility workers, and and others who, who are showing up at work, they often don't know if they're going in for a shift or if they're gonna be there for several days. 
um, and and what do you do with your children in those situations? So there is not enough childcare uh, for essential workers and everyone who needs it, and we're working on expanding uh, access to childcare uh, and also access to broadband. We've worked with the CWA who who uh, operates in this field, and um, as well as the teachers union. We need to uh, do more to get access for families that where broadband hasn't been built out. So that is uh, those are two priorities related both to the budget and COVID that we're working on as well. And I mentioned the budget deficit earlier. Our agenda addresses the need to raise revenue. Can you go over some of what labor is supporting to raise revenue? Sure. We've been on board with several of our affiliates to try to uh, address the $16 billion budget shortfall that we're, we're dealing with to avoid the cuts in vital services that everyone relies on now more than ever. And uh, we've proposed a couple of components like uh, a millionaire and ultra, I'm sorry, an ultra millionaire and a billionaire tax so that the wealthiest New Yorkers pay their fair share as part of this budget process. We're looking at a number of business and corporate tax loopholes as well as the stock transfer tax, uh, which could raise uh, much needed revenue right now. Uh, in addition to that, we're looking at other industries and trying to grow the economy through the uh, adult use, passage of adult use cannabis, uh, as well as enhancing or expanding gaming opportunities in different areas of the state. Both of those will create jobs in new industries, as well as raise taxable revenue in, in new industries. So those are several ways we're trying to raise revenue at the state level, uh, in addition to fighting for federal funding to help close this devastating budget deficit. And I know gig workers are a priority for us as well, particularly now during this pandemic, where we've seen more and more people turning to gig work to get by. So what are we doing um, in that area? Yeah, that's a great question, Garcy. And and if anything lifted the veil over the plate of gig workers, it was COVID-19. They're not eligible for unemployment, not eligible for workers' compensation, not eligible for many of the other programs that workers can rely on. So we want to clarify in the law and get these statutory rights and benefits, most notably the right to join a union for these workers. So we are working on legislation that will codify that and get those workers these rights. Uh, We expect, and I think the governor and legislature uh, have been very open to getting this done moving forward this year and our discussions with several of our affiliates who are working with these companies uh, as well as we're having discussions with the companies themselves. It's, I think everyone has kind of woken up after this mm-hmm. uh, COVID uh, epidemic and, and realized we need to get something done. So that will be one of our number one legislative priorities uh, outside of the budget process and in, 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 in tandem with our COVID agenda. And I know um, also addressing climate change, that is uh, among the other priorities we have. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, climate change is going to be one of the one of the biggest challenges moving forward. Uh, we're expecting public works projects to be proposed in the budget, both as an economic development initiative, but also as an environmental initiative. And uh, what we're working on with our affiliates, and we've got a work group put together specific to this, is to make sure that as we transition to clean energy and reduce emissions and as we conform with the climate leadership and community protection act which would uh, reduce emissions in the state we want to make sure our members and our affiliates who have members 
in the energy production and distribution sector, as well as manufacturing, uh, do not get hit disproportionately hard, and that there's a plan to transition those workers into jobs that are just as good or even better, whether it's in the energy or manufacturing sector. That's called just transition, so that we make sure no one gets hurt by this. Uh, we also want to do responsible development of wind, solar, and other green forms of energy production so that those are also creating good jobs and that when we use state money to invest in those type of projects that we're paying prevailing rate on the construction, but also we have labor standards and labor peace agreements and good jobs in the operations and maintenance of those types of facilities. Uh, and then finally, as we as we do create new uh, facilities or, or other ones are downsized or closed, we want to make sure the public sector uh, does not get hit disproportionately hard. A lot of these manufacturers and power producers are the largest taxpayers in any given area. So if they get hit and have to close, suddenly the schools and local governments don't have the revenue they need to provide the services at the local level. So there's a lot of moving parts to the climate uh, initiatives that we're working on with our affiliates all of which have to be on the table uh, in order to make all of this work for everyone. And so in getting working toward getting some of this stuff done, we're, you know, in the middle of this crisis still. I think the Capitol's closed down. How do you can you give us a little insight on how you do this, how you're meeting with legislators? Because you had to do that at the, you know, in the middle of last session. and You're going to have to do what it looks like again this session. Yeah, it's definitely been challenging to do that. And particularly, we have a lot of new legislators coming in. And as everyone knows, that the Senate now has a super majority, uh, a Democratic majority. Um, and uh, in both houses, we have a super majority. I think for us, the dynamic that really has changed is uh, having to work remote. The Capitol's closed. And what we've been doing is having our uh, normal weekly meetings remotely on uh, the computer, it's gone relatively smoothly. We're having our subcommittee groups that deal with each of these specific policy areas. We're meeting regularly as well, remotely, and inviting legislators to participate in those meetings and having the discussions that we would normally have in the Capitol and the legislative office building, trying to have those remotely. So uh, the challenges have been there, but we've been able to meet those challenges and as I described, we had some successes last year, uh, despite the logistics changing because of COVID, and um, we will continue to work on that. We did coordinate with the national AFL-CIO to help other states look at what we did. Other states are looking to New York and, and how the labor movement changed its, the way it works, and um, that, has gone, that has gone well, and, and I'm proud of that. So um, we, we, we were able to get through it last year and I expect next year the same will happen as well. Oh, that's great. And, you know, and as I mentioned, there's, you touched on a few things, but there's really a lot there in the agenda and we do have it um, available up on our website for anybody who wants to take a look at the other priorities. So I know you have a lot going on, Mike, so I appreciate your time. Mike Neidel, the legislative director for the New York State AFL-CIO. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Darcy, and be safe, everyone. Thank you. Joining me now on the line is our digital director and the editor of the Union Strong podcast, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. So here we are, the last uh, podcast, at least we think, unless something crazy comes up, but last one of the year. 
Absolutely. Almost coming up on two years of the podcast. What a ride it's been, huh? I know. There's been a, there's a lot of them out there. What is this, 56? Episode 56. 50. And yeah. now explain the different options people have listening to the podcast. So you can listen on Apple, on Google, on Spotify. Uh, we're, we're on all the channels. And give us a like and share and give us a review. It, it helps us uh, get this out to more and more folks. And then you also maybe you can talk a little bit about the um, app as well, which is relatively new. Absolutely. So we have the Union Strong app. You can go to the, the Google Store or Apple Store and download it and uh, search NYS AFL-CIO um, to download it and, and start following us on Union Strong. And it's a great way to get information directly. We release all our podcasts early on the Union Strong app, and a lot of uh, unions are on it as well. So you can get your information directly from your union as well as from the, the labor movement and the area labor federations. Well, Kevin, you sound good. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, wish you a very happy holiday. And, and to our followers here on the podcast, everyone have a very safe and happy holiday season. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.